And this morning we'll be reading from three passages from Isaiah, Hebrews and Colossians. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 to 5, which is on page 689. Um, And in this reading, we'll be reading about Isaiah's vision of the Lord and his reaction. So that's chapter 6 verses 1 to 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and a house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for the eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. If you could turn to the New Testament, to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, verses 19 to 22, on page 1210 of the Church Bibles. So, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, if you could flip backwards to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17, which is our last reading. On page 1185, Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self which, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, 
bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks, KJ. Uh, well, happy almost new year, everyone. Um, my name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors across Wild Street and St. Matt's. It's great to see you here as we kind of gather for the last time as church this year. Uh, this time of the year is great, isn't it? Um, hopefully you've had a bunch of time with family and friends. Hopefully you've eaten kind of more than your body weight in food. Um, my, my, me and my wife love this time of year because we get to use the phrase, uh, it doesn't matter what you eat between Christmas and New Year's, it matters what you eat between New Year's and Christmas. And so you're welcome to use that for today to eat as much as you want for the rest of New Year's Eve. Um, you can enjoy that. Uh, it's also a great time to reflect on your year and to think about the year to come, isn't it? Uh, one of the things people often do at this time of year, as Jasper said, is people make New Year's resolutions. You know, when people resolve to be better next year than what they were this year. Uh, now, I used to be, I used to work in a gym, I used to be a personal trainer, and so New Year's resolutions gave me and the gym I worked for a lot of business. It was fantastic. Thank you for your New Year's resolutions. Uh, the gym especially loved it because most people would sign up for the year for the discount and then never come. And so you just kind of give free money to the gym for a year. Uh, have you ever done that? But, no, I won't get you to put your hand up. That's embarrassing. Uh, let, let me give you some stats about New Year's resolutions. Apparently, uh, 39% of people who make a resolution make it about fitness or losing weight. 33% of people want to improve their diet. Uh, about 30% of people have financial or budgeting goals. Uh, how many people do you think follow through on their New Year's resolutions? 9%, they reckon, 9%. Uh, and Friday is the most likely day that people will drop their resolution. So if you make a New Year's resolution, watch out for Fridays. Uh, and specifically, the second Friday of the month is the top day where people drop their resolution. And so the second Friday of the month is called... International Quitters Day. So keep an eye out for that, the second Friday of the month, if you're making a resolution. And now the question I want to explore this morning is, should Christians have New Year's resolutions? Should Christians have New Year's resolutions? Uh, now we're actually going to work together a bit on this. This won't be the typical sermon where I talk and you listen. It's going to be a bit more interactive. I want you to do some thinking and some talking with the people around you. Now you might feel terrified. I've no idea what to say. That's completely fine. Uh, the goal isn't for you to have answers. This, the goal is just to get you thinking, to listen to what people have to say around you. Try not to panic too much. We'll get through this. Um, so, should Christians make New Year's resolutions? I want to start by getting you to turn to the person next to you or the people around you and have a think about what you would say if you had to argue, no, no, Christians should not make New Year's resolutions. What would you say if you had to make an argument or a case for that? 
Um, and I've been thinking about, is there anything you can think of in the Bible that might help you say, no, Christians shouldn't have New Year's resolutions. Don't, don't stress if nothing comes to mind. Just have a crack. I'll give you a couple minutes. Go. All right, let's bring it back. Let's see what you got. Um, yell out if you have any, maybe someone get a start. This is the brave one. Why might, it, might, why might you say, no, Christians shouldn't have New Year's resolutions? It won't work. Yeah, they're just never going to work anyway. Sure. Yeah. If, if God's not willing, then it won't happen. Yeah, so who are you to, you know, force God into doing something, maybe? There's could be something there. Uh, yep. On that issue, James 5, uh, sorry, James 4 springs to mind. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, it's Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Don't make plans. Don't make any plans. Yeah. Who's got plans for New Year's Day? Cancel those. Yep. Yeah, so maybe you know, don't just wait till January 1st to make a new... You can, you know, change any time. Making plans Yeah, helpful. Helpful. Um, I reckon there's a bunch of answers that kind of make sense. I, I think that there's one key answer. This is what I came up with. This, uh, this is what I came up with. Everything that matters most about you is already certain. Everything that matters most about you is already certain. So you don't need to chase or achieve or feel discontent and so aim for sweeping change or be a better you in 2024. Because if you are a Christian, you already have it all. You're forgiven, you're deeply loved, you're adopted as one of God's children, and incredibly, you're already made perfect, holy, pure, and so able to come into God's very presence and worship Him without fear. The Bible says you've been sanctified. Uh, here's a theological nerd word for you. Uh, positional sanctification. Your position before God is holy and righteous forever. It cannot be changed. And so you can be in God's presence 
forever. And there is no better place than that to be. It's extraordinary, isn't it? You are right and actually made like the God of the universe. It's just impossible to overstate how incredible that is. See, in the Bible, God is the one who's holy. He's the one who's pure and perfect. He's other, divine, set apart, not like anything else. That's what we saw in Isaiah 6. And yet as we get further in the Bible, we see that it's possible for you and for I to be called holy, pure and perfect. There's a difference. Have you ever thought about the difference between God's holiness and our holiness? Have you thought about that? The difference is that God, he's holy in himself. By his own nature, that's who he is. Whereas we are only holy by virtue of our relationship with him. Holiness comes from outside of us, not within us. See, naturally, we're not holy. Naturally, we're flawed, defiled, evil, enemies with God, sinners. There's no inherent quality about us that leads God or forces him to love us or enables us to be anywhere near his presence. And yet, God has set his love and affection on us anyway, purely out of his own love, not out of our loveliness. And so we can read the words of 1 Peter 2 for ourselves. It'll come up on the screen. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. God has called you, if you're a Christian, out of darkness and into his marvellous light. And so now... You are a people holy for him. Isn't that staggering? How? How can God do that? In Christ. Not just in his death, but in his life. Jesus' perfect obedience to his Father means he truly was perfect. The pure one, the holy one, the one who is truly loved. Which made him the perfect sacrifice for us. Where on the cross, Jesus' righteousness is given to us in such a way that it can now be said of us that we are holy, perfect, pure, forgiven and loved. And so now Hebrews 10, the second one we read, is true for us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us... Draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now we can draw near to the God of life and of love and be in his presence forever. See, what matters most about you is that your status before God is holy, perfect, Pure, your sins are washed away, you're made righteous before a holy God, you're made fit for heaven, perfect, and you can enjoy the privilege of drawing near to God. There's no better place to be than near the one who rules the universe, the one who is the source of life and all blessings. And so as you think about 2024, know that the pressure is off. 
You don't have to have the weight on your shoulders that you have to achieve to be respected, that you have to be good to be loved, that you have to do better to draw near to God. You don't need to make a New Year's resolution. You can just rejoice. You can give thanks that no matter what else happens in 2024, the things that matter most about you will not change. They can't change. See, if you have the worst year of your life in 2024... By the end of next year, you will still be forgiven, adopted, perfect, loved, able to come into the presence of God. And if you have the best year of your life, it won't be anywhere near as good as what you already have. Do you know that? Everything that matters most about you is already certain. It's guaranteed. Praise God. And so, why would a Christian make a New Year's resolution? Are there any good reasons for Christians to make New Year's resolutions? Again, I want you to talk to the people next to you. What would you say if you had to answer, yes, Christians should make New Year's resolutions? Is there anything in the Bible that might help you? I'll give you a couple of minutes. Go. All right, we'll bring it back in. Uh, yell it out if you've got any answers, any thoughts, or any. Someone go first. Work out your salvation. Yes, God commands us to do something, do salvation, work out salvation. Yeah, any other thoughts? Yeah. Do that again. <laughs> yeah. Bible's full of saying do stuff. Yeah. Someone over here? Yeah, that's helpful. Um, again, lots of ways you could go with it. I think this is the key one. Um, yes, it's good to have resolutions aimed at change because we need to be what we are. We need to be what we are. 
what are we? We've seen that in Christ we are holy. That's our status. Positional sanctification. And yet, put up your hand if you're completely holy. Morally perfect. Uh, Exactly like God. Me neither. So there's a difference between our status as holy in Christ and our actual lives that we live in the flesh. We're holy, but we're not holy. We're not what we are. Do you see? The question then is, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter if I have a holy status, but not a holy life. Yes, it matters hugely. Let me give you at least two reasons why. Uh, where to grow to be what we are first it is God's will for you. Have a look at 1 Peter 1, 14. should be up on the screen. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Um, Peter quotes what God has already said in the Old Testament, be holy because I am holy. Uh, Peter uses family language, your children of God, your father. And so take on the family resemblance, be like him. As I said, God commands it. That is God's will for your life. Be like him. Grow in holiness. Be like your father who's holy. Second, grow to be what you are because of God's name and honour. See, in, in saving and setting apart a people for himself... God's name actually becomes bound up with his people so that when the world looks at God's people, his name is honoured or it's dishonoured by how we represent him. Did you know that? God's name and honour is tied to his people. And so it's essential that we embody the holiness and righteousness of our God who's called us so we don't dishonour his name or positively so his name will be honoured. Now, the theological word for growing in holiness is progressive sanctification. Progressing, growing in holiness to be what we are. Now, that's a great thing to resolve to grow in in 2024. And so, yes, New Year's resolutions, particularly about growing in holiness, is a great thing to do. In fact, God says we must do it. Grow so you can be who you are. But, there's a big but... Making a resolution is not the thing that's going to get you there. Making a New Year's resolution is not the thing that's going to start that training montage where you go from zero to hero and you get that slow-mo kind of background music and slow-mo clips. It's easy to think, right, if I, if I make the right resolution, if I have that powerful feeling within me, then I'll be able to stick to it. Uh, people use all kinds of things to try to bring about change in their life, right? Uh, goal setting, like a resolution, accountability, making a routine, kind of tracking how many days you've gone without doing something bad, they're helpful. We'll talk about that a bit more. But when it comes to growing in holiness and godliness, the key agents of change are God's Word and His Spirit. It's as we come face-to-face with the Word of truth and as God's Spirit works deeply within us, then you will grow into who God has saved you to be. He brings radical change. See, it's not just that God's Spirit prompts you to change some of the things about yourself. Uh, He makes you a totally new person with a completely different thought life so that you want to live to God. He reshapes your affections so that you love to live for God. 
and he empowers you ongoingly so you can do it. He works in such a profound way, we can actually say, you're not growing in your holiness. We're growing in bearing the fruit of Christ's holiness brought about in us. You're not growing in your holiness, you're growing in the very holiness of Christ. Isn't that incredible? And so we can never say, it's my work. Look at what I've done. It is God's grace from first to last. Praise God. So we should aim to grow. So we can be what we are. And we have everything we need to do it. So what exactly are we aiming for? What does it look like to grow in being what we are? What are we aiming for? Christ. To grow in holiness, to be what we are, is to grow in Christ-likeness. He is the truly holy one, the perfect, full representation of our holy God. He's the one we look at to see what we're meant to be. One way the Bible puts it is, be conformed to Christ. If you want to grow to be what you are, look at Christ and grow to be like him. That's what we're aiming at, the fullness of Christ. So what does it look like to grow in Christ-likeness? Well, it's as we heard, it's about putting off and putting on. It's about putting off and putting on. Have a look at Colossians 3. This time I'll get you to flick to it. Colossians 3. Uh, We'll read verse 1 to 5 and then 12 to 14. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Let's skip to verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, (coughs) bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Notice first, it's set your mind on Christ and the things that are above. Set your focus on the one we're becoming like and fill your mind with the things of him. (coughs) And then put to death what is earthly and put on the things of Christ. It's like a sculptor who gets a massive block of marble and says, oh, I just take away everything that's not a masterpiece. Put off everything that belongs to the old self, that doesn't belong to the masterpiece of Christ in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness. The list goes on. Have a look at verse (coughs) 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, 
wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. To be who you are, put it off relentlessly. Kill it. Get rid of everything that isn't the masterpiece of Christ in your life. And then put on everything that belongs to Christ, your new self. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, and put on love which binds it all together. This is God's will for your life. You don't have to stress about, what am I meant to do with my life? What am I going to do for a job? Do whatever. But by God's word and his spirit, put off the old self and put on the new. That is what matters. Grow more and more to be what you are, who God saved you to be, knowing it's God's grace from first to last. And so how do you need to grow in 2024? If you're going to make a resolution, what will it be about? And how are you going to get there? Can you finish this sentence for me? Um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Now, we've already said that goals and strategies aren't the key agents of change, and they're not. But it strikes me that we do make plans for all kinds of things that matter to us, right? And yet I wonder if we really make a plan for this thing that God tells us matters so much. Uh, it'd be massively worth taking some time to think about, what do I need to put off and put on this coming year? How am I going to do it? What verses do I need to memorize? How am I going to pray about it? Is there a book I can read? Is there a person I can talk to? Is there a podcast or a sermon series I can listen to? Is there a phrase I need to come up with that's going to help me when I'm in that moment? I'm just going to give you a moment now or in a second to just to start that process on your phone, in your outline. Where do you want to grow in 2024 and how are you going to get there? I'm just going to give you a minute now. So yes, it can be good to make New Year's resolutions because we're not yet what we are in Christ. In Christ, our status is holy, and so let's grow together to reflect what we are. And yet, we'll never fully reach it, this side of glory. Which is the last point, New Year's resolutions are only temporary. New Year's resolutions can be good things for Christians because it recognises we need to grow. We're not what we are, and we're not yet what we one day will be. One day, there will be no gap. 
One day what we are in God's sight and what we are in ourselves will be the same. We will be glorified, made truly perfect in every way. This is the climax of what God is doing in us. God doesn't just spare us from judgment. No, he also brings us to glory. Well, we can't even imagine how incredible it will be. And so in 2024, pray for and long for that day. And so, should Christians have New Year's resolutions? No. In 2024, spend your time rejoicing that no matter how good or bad your year is, the things that matter most about you are certain. They can never change. Praise God. And yet, yes, as you look towards 2024, do plan to grow more into what you are. That is God's will for your life. And his name, in some way, is tied to how you reflect his character. And so be what you are in him. And finally, New Year's resolutions are only a thing for now. And so spend 2024 longing and praying for Jesus to return. That day when all things will be put right and we will truly be who we are. Perfect, pure and righteous, singing praises face to face with the one who's done it all for us all. Praise God. Amen.